You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Enjoy local voices. Enjoy local opinions. All on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts. Featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local. Say It Loud Network and Mean Old Line Media presents The History of Being Black. Welcome to another episode of The History of Being Black podcast. I am your host, Eunice Elliott. I'm always one of the more fortunate people on the planet that gets to hang out with black folks to talk about black folks and the history of being black in America. And today we are joined by one of my favorite guests so far, Ahmad Ward. He is the executive director of the historic Mitchellville Freedom Park located in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Welcome back to the show, Ahmad. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. Um, so I always like to call you one of the blackest folks I know because you have made a passion and a career out of preserving cultural relevance and significance of black folks during your time as the education director at the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute and also with the historic Mitchellville Freedom Park project you're working on right now. So I encourage folks to Google that or go back and listen to the episode because we don't know about Mitchellville Freedom Park and, and Ahmad is going to be the one that help us all know about it. But what I wanted to talk to you about today is like... Because you are such a historian and one of the only people I know that has a degree in museum arts, I want to talk to you about then and now. And so in 2021, we are still having this conversation about social justice, racial inequality, um, systemic racism, these terms that obviously are not seeming to go anywhere ever. And it really doesn't seem like a lot of movement is being made on those. One of the terms that we really started hearing about last year in 2020 was microaggressions. And I started seeing a lot of videos and terminology and people trying to figure out what is that. And when we talk about racist and racism, it's a term that people get very defensive about. And they get offended if you offer them that idea that they might be racist or they might have um, you know, contributed to racism in any way. Explain to me what microaggressions are and how they potentially play a role in just everyday life. Well, microaggressions really are the things that uh, assault people that people do all the time without realizing the harm that goes along with it. Um, prime example, my my two daughters have always had natural hair, right? I've, I've got one who loves her fro right now and one that has locks. Uh, but even before then, it was always natural. And, and people like to put their fingers mm. in black girls' hair. You do. Uh, and so I have had several conversations with adults about not touching my children's hair because it takes away their agency. Like there's a level of ownership that goes along with touching, right? Or or connectivity. Right. And you don't have that. <laughs> you know, you don't have that. Uh, and even deeper, like I was like, you don't you don't touch top of a black man's head ever, right? And I had uh, you don't touch people. 
right? You don't touch people. You don't touch people unless you're invited to touch people, right? And so I had a person of note, and I'll leave it at that, uh, during a conversation, rub the top of my head. My, oh my. And I was in mixed company as someone who is running an organization who's older and wiser, right? And so, you know, I'm a, probably a 42-year-old at this moment. It's been a few years. And I'm just thinking about how 22-year-old Ahmad would have acted in that situation. Like, it, I handle it in a way where I kind of went went back to somebody. Like, look, this brother, this dude touched top of my head. I'm around all, right. all these good white people. I wanted to punch him in his face. I can't, you know. <laughs> so this dude went back because they was cool. Like, look, let me break something down to you because I didn't know him like that. Okay. And so, and so, there's been other situations where I've had a chance to go back and talk to people. I like, you know, you got to watch that or making the determination that you're going to talk to people about their food or assume that people can dance, assume that Asian people are good at math or can't drive. Like, these are all microaggressions, and folks have these conversations and don't even understand. Or telling somebody who has kids with interesting names that their name is fun. Mm-hmm. Not because they that's think their name. A compliment. Right. They think they're giving you a compliment when they s- assume that you're a great dancer. <laughs> they think like, I wish I was a great dancer. You know, and it's like, who said I was a great dancer? So in the moments, whether it's about your daughter's hair or about, do you educate? I know you say you weren't that cool with that person, but do you take those moments to educate the yes. aggressor? Okay. Yes. I was in a bad situation there because it was like hordes of people, right? Right. Uh, and I'm learning folks. I'm like brand new. And so we was had to get that settled. But normally this is when I do the whole, hey, let me talk to you real quick. And so I've done a, 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 a little buggy here. <laughs> and I do that a lot, just pull people to the side because my, my line is always, look, I'm not like everybody. <laughs> I'm a, I'm telling you where you stepped off the street mm-hmm. and onto the onto the shoulder. All right. Somebody else ain't gonna do it. Right. So learn from this and never do this again. <laughs> okay. How is it generally received when you offer them that? I think nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, thank you. I'm sorry. You know, but people are like, I didn't realize I was doing that or thanks for, for getting me in line. Every now and then you get a longer conversation and then I have to just break it down to folks. Like, look, man, I could have just uppercutted you out your shoes, right? right. Like it was, it was that egregious. I didn't. All right. M- m- the next man is not going to take this time to talk to you. You're just right. going to end up in the emergency room and you don't know why. Right? Hey, so it's a learning moment. It's a learning moment. All of us are not, everybody is not created equal. So you got to, you know, I think most of the time people accept it. For some reason, people let me talk about real wild stuff with them without getting too upset. Like, well, it's because they respect you. They think that you're educated and noble and that you are attached to a greater cause. And so if Ahmad said it, like I said, if you said something to me about being black, I would take it as the gospel. So I couldn't <laughs> imagine a white person and you telling them something, they'd be like, well, Ahmad said it, so it must be true. <laughs> well, I, some of that is is the case, but I, I, I think I think the the creator that he also has given me a certain demeanor that we can I can talk about these tough topics because I'm taking the funk out of the room. Uh, brother, I admire greatly uh, who's in Birmingham, Dr. Horace Huntley. Said something that stuck with me for the last 15 years. He said, "When race enters a conversation, logic leaves the room." Mm. And so, people, I've always remembered that people 
do one of three things when we start talking about race or uncomfortable topics. They run, they hide in plain sight. So you do the whole, la, 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 I don't hear you, I'm not paying attention to this conversation. Or they fight, mm. right? So it's like, I'm, gonna put, I'm not listening to anything you say. I'm waiting for the opening. As soon as your mouth starts talking, starts moving for two seconds, I'm coming back with my rebuttal, right? And I don't hear anything you said. When what we really should do is listen. And we can still respectfully disagree, right. but I'm going to let you get your viewpoint out. Then I can say, hey, look, I don't agree with you and this is why, but we can keep it civil. But when it's, we start talking about race, and this that goes across the board, it's everybody, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I believe that everyone is victimized. Everyone who, every American citizen is victimized by race mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. With us, it's very clear to see how, right? With some of our fair-skinned brothers and sisters, it's because they haven't had the right exposure, and so they do things that they probably wouldn't have done with the knowledge for our well-meaning, yeah, our right. well-meaning, yeah, yeah. for our well-meaning folks. And so it, or it gives them that sense of supremacy that shouldn't be there because that's, they've been taught their whole life. They expect certain things, right? Or, um, or when we do this enter this, this thing where we can, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm aggrieved, but I can talk about this person. I'm, I'm going to make fun of these folks working in the, in the, in the chicken farm or talk about a wall or make crazy sounds. We're going to the Chinese uh, store. Right. Like, come on, man. Like right. we, we, we don't, we should not take that capital. Now we're going to do it, but we should, we shouldn't take that capital and spend it that way. Um, especially since we know what's been done to us. Now that's easier said than done. Everybody does crazy things, but the whole point is if we can find some common ground about those kind of things, the understanding improves. And that's really what I've been about uh, when we're having those kind of conversations. But unfortunately, well, let me ask you, let me stop you for a because you said the victimization, all Americans, some way, somehow, obviously with black people and then white folks, because they have not been told most of the truth. So when 2020 happened and you had a lot of, 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 of white people saying, I didn't know, I didn't know. Do you really absolve them of those? responsibilities as an adult American? Like, do you really see them? I understand the basic thought of they have been victimized the same way we have with what we've been taught. But as an adult white American, how do you how do you take white tears? Are you really that that elevated and noble that you are actually sympathetic to white tears? Because I want to know how to be more so if that is what I need to be. If Amaya says I need to be more so, I want you to tell me how we do that. That's not really what I'm saying. Um, Um, I think that sometimes you can tell when people are being sincere, right? You know it. And you know when people are are giving you, selling you a bill of goods and just trying to say, well, I really know. Like, all right. Like, the ignorance of the law does not keep you from getting arrested. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know I couldn't drive 55 through here. It don't matter. Here's your ticket because <laughs> you missed the sign. That ain't my fault. And so, um, the same thing goes with some of our, our fair-skinned brothers and sisters who say, I didn't know. But they're like 38 years old living in America. America, and you've been seeing the same, like you chose not to see, right? And so I think um, you should give grace to people who deserve it. Is it case and by case? It's a case by case situation. It's a case by case situation. And and you do what the word says, you don't cast your pearls before swine. Okay. And so, no, and then some people, like I don't get in arguments with people who don't want to learn. I just say, oh, you got it, you got it. Right. And I'm done. And then, nah, let's, nah, I'm not going to debate you on my humanity. 
you can stay there. You can say you won. <laughs> you know, you can say that you you got the best of the argument. I'm not wasting my time and energy when all you want to do is make a moment. Right. Or, or debate. That's why I don't, you know, I stop getting into it with people online. <laughs> it's so fun, but it's so fun. <laughs> Sometimes it is. And every now and then I get trapped. Like they used to they used to joke about me getting into it with people online. Uh and I'm just trying to, you know, share my opinion. But I just like, you know, listen, you can tell real quick when somebody just wants to be do they just want to troll? Right. I don't have time. I don't have time for it. So I let them have it. You got it. And someone who genuinely is curious or genuinely feeling like, you know, like they actually do. I do know some people, as you say, fair uh, skinned brothers and sisters, but I actually have <laughs> one that I'm very close to. And, and I saw her do things, two different things over last summer um, after the George Floyd murder. And, and race was obviously a big conversation since last May. One of the things was I was sharing something on social media about my experience being black, my experience of being a black student at the University of Alabama. And she was my white roommate and she's still a great friend of mine. So this is, you know, 30 plus years of a friendship. And so because I was sharing a story, she was in the comments and says, wow, I never realized how brave my friend has always been. Because as my white friend, she would kind of go with me to this, go with me to that. And she wouldn't realize how uncomfortable I would be in these settings because I was her friend. And they don't realize that when they say, no, you're with me, it's okay. That's offensive. <laughs> you yes. know, it's like all these things. But on the flip side, when I went to um, Jacob Lawrence's exhibition at the Birmingham Museum of Art, and I shared a story that I said either I didn't remember being taught this in American history or I forgot that when the Boston Tea Party, when the whole revolt happened, that the settlers, the colonizers, dressed as indigenous people to storm this boat. And so I said, I didn't even realize that or never learned that. I don't remember it, but I was just kind of in shock that day that I learned that. And this same friend was in the comments saying, oh, well, it's up for debate, but it was more that they did that because they wanted to show they felt they were more American than British. <laughs> That was inspired. I'm impressed. Wait a minute. And again, it becomes this defense of something that's indefensible. They they dressed as indigenous people to storm the boat because they wanted to show they were Americans now and not British. I'm, I am low-key impressed by the level of gall in that argument. That is, but wow. I took this as a close friend who I felt like really was finally about to realize a lot of Black folks, we have been protecting our fair skin brothers and sisters from our experience. We just want to hang out and have margaritas. We don't want to tell you what all we had to go through today to get there for happy hour. So we, right. we have done a disservice to them by not maybe fully being honest about our experience because then they want to tell you about their Black friend who ain't never had no problems. And the Black friend is like, oh, actually, uh, now that you mention it, right. I never talked. And I felt like she was kind of starting to see how much I had protected her of my experience as her black friend. But then when she defended the colonizers for dressing as indigenous people because they wanted to show they were more American and British during the revolt, it's like, no, that's not how that works. That's almost kind of like there's very fine people on both sides, almost. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what that foolishness is. I mean, I, and so then you have to find a place for these brothers and sisters that you have to find a place. Uh, like we had to, we a lot of us had to find new places for these people in our yeah. lives. Yeah. 
and you got sometimes you got to compartmentalize people mm-hmm. for your own like self care, right? You got to put people in boxes. I got, I won't again, I won't name any names, but I got some people who I got caught up trying to be like the black friend that explains, God. you know. And I had to, I had to put them in boxes, like so. At a certain point, it's like hey, I'm, I'm done with this conversation. I'm done. <laughs> wait, wait, I got no. If you set your website up for white folks and black folks, it's gonna call askamod.com. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> <laughs> am I racist in my head? And black folks can say, hey, Ahmad, how should I handle my fair skin brother and sister on this? Because they racist. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's going to be like, yeah, man, you need to stop talking to them because they're racist. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes it's that simple and you just have to charge it to the game. So in 2021, with us still talking about race, like it's a new concept or racism, like it's a new concept. Um, well, how do you suggest that as black folks, how we move in the world? We don't want to be the explainer. We don't want to be the educator. Like, how do we move in this in this world the way it is now? Well, here's the thing. Like, the things that I've been talking about doing, that's because, hey, it's in my spirit to do it. Right. All right. By no means am I suggesting that black people should go to the lengths that I have gone to. In fact, I would say that you shouldn't. All right. I would say that you shouldn't. And so I think where we are, I'm, I'm seeing more of our, more and more of our folks saying, hey, look, there's a whole list of resources on Google for you to go to on this. Mm-hmm. I can't help you. Right. Okay. And and I think it's righteous to say that okay. to your white friend who's like, hey, I, you know, help me understand this. Hey, man, look, here, there's articles out there. This ain't my, this ain't my work. Okay. This is not my work. I like the way that feels. I like the way that feels. There's, I can point you in the direction. It's not my job to educate you on that because that's what it became. It was like black people were then being charged with helping to end racism. And it's like, well, that's not our illness. We're the benefactors of your illness. So black folks can't end racism. Black people cannot end racism. And so often we have to prescribe the medicine for these other sick people, right? And right. and and we don't have to do that. Like I choose to do that with people who I know are being sincere about wanting to learn, right? But I strongly suggest for black people, that's not your ministry, do not abide. Okay. You know, you know, and you don't have and be and feel and feel good about that. Hey, look, Google is your friend. There's stuff out there. Go for it. I love it. You know what? The next time a white person is in my inbox asking me to forgive them for what they thought might have been racism. I'm saying that is not my ministry. <laughs> that is okay. it's not your ministry. That we all got one. That does not have okay. to be your ministry. Uh, and so, it's not really mine. But it's a passion for you. It's a lifestyle for you. And so that's why people do default to ask Ahmad. Let me ask Ahmad this. So <laughs> from last year to now, all these new awakenings, all these new allies, um, how do you feel about cancel culture? How do you feel about when we, you know, dig up something and say, remember that time that happened or whatever? I mean, how, what is your take on holding people to some level of responsibility for something that probably was offensive and then saying you're done now. I, I um, believe in accountability. Okay. But some of some of these things have gone too far. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a limit to what we can do as far as can- first of all, who is who of all the people who have been canceled, who has actually been canceled? I mean, it's a couple of people been canceled. Who? <laughs> well, the, most of the ones I think that it actually sticks to be the black folks. But let me think. Um, <laughs> you could be hard pressed to get five. So right now, Justin Timberlake is going going through a bit of a cancellation. Yeah, he won't be canceled. He won't be canceled, though. He won't be. Uh, Mm -mm. Because look who who his victims were. Exactly. 
Exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. Most of the canceled people I can see are usually the black folks that actually it sticks. Okay, so what about like a um the guy from Kramer from Seinfeld when when he lost his body in that comedy club and, and his problem but you know his teeth white with the n-word <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines ever <laughs> you know what I'm saying he got real bright bright smile in that comedy club he kind of fell off right it was like he whoa. fell off but you know like I know especially you as a comedian you know that that cat can go into a club now and work yeah. he can work he can work now now it won't be at the same level but he can work you know Cosby's been stars, all these country stars now that's getting caught saying the n-word and apologizing and, and that's the culture somewhat of country music and but it's not popular it's what's, the, what's the guy's name is it Wallen yeah. whatever he's I mean his rocket is through the, his, uh, his record his album is through the roof now simultaneously as he is suggestedly being cancelled <laughs> right like, like he is making more money now than he was before he said the n-word out loud in front of people right so I think you had a point like Cosby yeah he's pretty much canceled right you can say that yeah r kelly should be under can you know like whatever the cancellation line is he got to be down here right lower than that right their stick black folks cancellation stick yeah but i think like people like justin the b will have uh you know he'll have hives and hemorrhoids for three weeks and then he'll be right back on you know rehab and come back with a new collab with tim man he put a put a put a record out there with uh somebody hot and we'll forget all about it (laughs) we'll be then we're doing the suit and tie thing so this is that was a hit (laughs) (laughs) but so when we're talking about moving around uh america as black folks today and we're talking about like i said the microaggressions of the world all the different things all different challenges we face what is it that we can do today to move forward to say okay i'm moving forward i'm strong that's a loaded question i think we have to we have to concentrate on ourselves more than we have okay and what i mean by that is i think uh black people have to circle the wagons a little bit more than they have like we got to take care of our own mm-hmm. and sometimes we got to let as as accommodating as i have been about our folk who don't look like us sometimes we gotta we gotta compartmentalize like i said earlier i think we got to spend more time taking care of our folks like the the especially our young folks who are not getting what they need right but we got to spend some time and energy in that we have to we have to push black business we need to create uh situations where we are increasing black wealth because that's what some people respond to you know like we want to see some change happen we got to do some of those things there's got to be some economic realities that take place we have to build up our folks instead of trying to bring them down. And I'm not I'm not doing that wag your finger black elitist thing. So um, it's accountability and responsibility in our own communities. There's right. a lot we, we, yeah. go we gotta do yeah. our part. We spend too much time talking about what black people can't do. Uh-huh. And that's just not our experience. That's not that's not America's experience. Like America's experience, even though it's been uh you know washed, whitewashed, pushed aside, hidden in the closet, black people have always done. Uh-huh. Like you go look at all these patents that black people are supposed to have, let alone the ones we got. Look at all the patents we're supposed to have, but we couldn't have them because we were black. All the inventions that should have been attributed to us that are not because we're, we were black. And so, Those inventions are attributed to the generational wealth that folks have because their grandpa pop, who owned my grandpa pop, was able to file the patent for this invention that my grandpa pop uh, created to do the labor. Right, right. right. I, want, I want you to lend us to, to wrapping this up. When you say our account 
accountability, our responsibility. Not saying, hey, y'all got to do that. It's your fault. But what what is the action item for today? We always like to leave every episode with an action item. You're talking about supporting Black businesses, taking accountability, responsibility, taking care of our own and ourselves. What can we do that we can say, hashtag be the change? Ahmad said it. I can do this to be the change. Improve your circle. Improve your circle. Like the, your your atmosphere, the vibe that's around you, work towards improving that. If that is, hey, I'm gonna help my brother start this this business he's trying to get off the ground. I'm gonna help. Uh, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna babysit while my neighbor who's taking these night classes to become this person. I'm gonna watch her kids so she can go get this this homework done. We want to improve improve your circle because then you can start seeing some actual change. We think so large about change and we don't understand that all real change is the incremental mm-hmm. and then you spark happens somewhere so improve your personal circle uh, make make something better for somebody else and then it'll come back to you you know and, and and keep striving to do those kind of things like somebody if somebody asks me that's in my circle to do something unless I absolutely cannot do it right. I'm gonna try to do it because I remember when people looked out for me you know folks helped me they didn't have to help me you know people looked out for me because they saw something in me they didn't have to help me they could have just let me sit there but they did it anyway and so I, that's what we have to do and when I'm, I'm talking about that work in our communities where we're, we're pushing we're speaking love we're speaking peace instead of doing something else hey my brother I see what you're doing let me help you tweak it just right instead of being like oh man you can't do this move out the way no let me help you move it in this way have you read this book have you taken this class you know they're doing this at the nonprofit resource center you should go down there and learn something that's what we got to do we got to pour into our circle I love it above board you are the man please sis I'm gonna put you on the spot. I promise you'll come back and talk to us if I ever invite you again, which I will. Check your email. Uh, like I just said, like I just said, people ask me to do something, I'm going to do it as long I as I can. You. I appreciate you. So we are going to hashtag be the change, improve your circle. I mean, it, it sounds simple, but it will make the world of difference to somebody that is in your circle. You can just say, how can I serve you? And you know what? And, and not, you're not doing it for it to come back, but it's a circle, so it can't help but come back. So I Don't love come back. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you guys for listening to The History of Being Black. Please take care of yourselves and we will see you guys next episode. The History of Being Black podcast is hosted and produced by Eunice Elliott. Associate producer Lauren Turner. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. The History of Being Black podcast is a mean old lion and say it loud network production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.